Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reason Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com. That's spelled out F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com for all the latest heat news. Also, the other South Florida teams, the Miami Dolphins dropped to 3-11 and today, losing to the New York Giants. Also, obviously, we have Marlins news, Panther news, Hurricane news, and much, much more. And the other podcasts in our network are there, too. Three yards per carry, five rings, canes, light-skinned opinions, balls cast, shula bowl, and the rest of them. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about something we've got coming up this Wednesday. So this Wednesday night, Heat Sixers, Culture v. Process. We're going to be at the Gold Club in Pompano Beach. It's not far from Sample Road, just off the power line. So not too far if you live somewhere in the Broward or Palm Beach area. If you want to make the trek up from Dade, we'll welcome you there too. But we're going to be there starting at about 6 o'clock. We're going to have t-shirt giveaways. Alf, you and I, we're going to record a podcast from where, Alf? Where are we Live from the stage. Live from the stage. We are not going to give you the shirts off our backs. We will get I will, I will be fully clo- I will be fully clothed. Don't worry. That's right. I had, that's part of the agreement, actually, with the Gold Club Pompano. So Gold Club Pompano, we're going to be there Wednesday. Here's the big thing about this. If you're a little concerned, can I get out for the night? What am I going to tell my significant other? Bring that person because ladies get in free the entire night. So in free the entire night, all night long, all the way up to 2 a.m. Like I said, we'll be there starting at 6. It's going to be a great time. We had a bunch of people at our last watch party at Duffy's in North Miami Beach. Everybody's like, when are we coming back to Broward? We're coming back to Broward. So join us Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. Heat Sixers starts at 7. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on Five on the Floor. We're going to do things a little bit differently today, Alf. We're going to get to some news first before we get to the analysis. I had this last night, so I had it before the Mavericks game, but I decided to hold it till the morning. Made the mistake of teasing it on Twitter. Everybody got upset at me because if you tease news, everyone assumes it's a trade, particularly if it's right before a significant NBA milestone date, which is December 15th, when more players around the league are eligible to be traded. So no one has been traded. As far as I know, no one will be traded by the time we record this podcast. But Deion Waiters was suspended again. You guys were familiar with that. Third suspension of the year, 14 games total. This one is six games. But everybody's like, why, right? Like continued insubordination. Why was he suspended again? Well, Alf, you want to ask the question why he was suspended again? Ethan, why was Deion suspended again? Well, Alf, here's the reason for that. (laughs) (laughs) Because... Dion likes to use Instagram, as a lot of people do. He has um, about 360,000 followers on his at Waiters3 account, which, by the way, is now private. I don't know if it was always private. But at some point, he posted a photo, either as a story, which if you're not familiar with Instagram, stories disappear after 24 hours unless they're archived, or as a post. I'm not sure exactly which, because we've never actually seen this post. But the Heat did. Um, And it was apparently since taken down. 
but it is Dion hanging out, having a great time in a boat, which is something that people like to do in South Florida, particularly if you want to take, say, take a cruise to Waiters Island, right? Like you would get on a boat. The problem with this, Alf, you want to ask what the problem was? What was the problem with that, Ethan? The problem with that is that he told the Heat he was sick. So he was unavailable to them. And yeah, you know, that's <laughs> a bad move. <laughs> I mean, that's like, yeah. that is, that's like rule number one of calling out sick. If your bosses follow you on social media, do not post any pictures of having a good time. Just sit that day out. Correct. I mean, usually what you're concerned about in a situation such as that is that somebody else will post a photo of you, right? Like, so you're like, please, no pictures. I don't really want anybody to know what I'm doing, right? Like that, that would, you know, that's the normal approach to this. You don't post Yeah, you don't do it to yourself. You don't do it to yourself ever. Right. So apparently he did this to himself. Uh, The Heat saw this. I want to be very clear though. And Barry Jackson basically confirmed my report afterwards for the Miami Herald. He did credit us. Thank you, Barry. You're one of the few. Um, but Barry, but Barry came out because now everybody's crediting Barry, which that's how this works in this business. But anyway, uh, Barry did credit us and Barry, uh, added a little bit to this and, and, but did confirm this. This was not just about the, this boating incident. Okay. It's not just that. Um, but this was kind of the primary thing this time. This is a cumulative thing. There were a couple of more incidents, my understanding, uh, since the last seven game suspension which he apologized to his team for publicly, right? And now, but, uh, you know, this thing with the boat kind of triggered everything and there were some other things. But again, timeline here, there were problems last season. Remember the whole rehabilitation, it goes all the way back to the ankle injury from the previous season. The whole rehabilitation and his conditioning, the way he decided to go about it, whether to have surgery, not to have surgery, the issues kind of started there. Then they decided to give him a fresh start this offseason. But remember, Alf, it came after Riley said, you know, I let the culture slip, right? And we've seen what he's done with James Johnson. And then what they did with Dion, they weren't going to let the culture slip anymore. So, you know, that was put into place, but it was, okay, Dion, here's a fresh start. Shows up to training camp. He felt he was in shape. Remember, I was there that day with Alex up in West Palm. I was there with Alex and Anthony Chang. And they Spolster said, well, he's not in Miami Heat shape which then we went to Dion and Dion wasn't really that thrilled with that. Then there was something else about kind of the way they wanted him to play. And Dion seemed to have a different idea about that. And then of course, you know, there was the one game suspension, the, 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 the sort of goofing off on the bench or, or making clear he wasn't happy on the bench. Um, and then also the Instagram posts about Eric Spolstra implying that Eric, you know, only won championships because he had the big three. So that was one suspension. Then there was the second suspension, which was the, the, the flight out to Los, Los Angeles for a Laker game. And Dion had the issue with the THC-infused you know, gummies. And then this. Um, I've heard there have been other incidents that have not been reported. And one of the reasons that the Heat are so frustrated with him is they felt like they were covering – not I wouldn't say covering stuff up, but they were trying not to embarrass Dion publicly about some other stuff. And so they just feel like they keep getting slapped in the face. Any thoughts on this before I get to what they do next? I mean, I, like I've said before, I just think it's really sad. I think Dion actually had a, an opportunity this year um, that other people are taking advantage of. Like you see Derek Jones Jr. the last few games has been playing really well. Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, um, Tyler Hero. There's a lot of these minutes that could have been uh, – some of them could have been Dion's, but he just – he kind of blew it. And it's, you just got to wonder what's – 
you know, what's going on uh, with Dion himself to the, that he's basically sabot. It's almost like he's self-sabotaging his career. We talked about you. Po- you're posting pictures on a day you're supposed to be homesick. Um, you're pu- you're putting these things out there on social media w- with an organization who is known for zero tolerance and not playing games. And maybe the culture slipping the last few years made Dion think he can get away with this stuff. Jimmy in town and the team doing well. They don't even they don't need him. So why would they? You know why are they going to put up with this crap? So to me, it's sad. Um, I I wonder. Well, it's not. I know. He'll, I don't think he'll ever play for the Heat again. I think that's pretty obvious. But will he ever play in the NBA again, or is the or his next stop going to be like Israel or Greece? Because who is going to want to take on this headache for for a guy who, outside of half of a season and some good uh, six man minutes in Oklahoma City? Who's going to want to take on that headache for the kind of production that Dion offers? Well, and so that gets to what the Heat do now, because uh, it was reinforced to me again last night by the three people I spoke to that there's been no market for him. Absolutely zilch. I mean, no interest whatsoever. And so now there's less, right? And so, you know, what are their options? And I thought Albert Namid, you know, kind of summarized these pretty well. Barry did as well today, which is, you know, option number one, is to try to trade him. Okay, they've tried to do that. They don't want to attach an asset. An asset would be, at this point, a Justice Winslow or a Derek Jones Jr., all right, pretty much. Um, they don't have their full, you know, group of second-round picks because they've gotten rid of a lot of those. You know you can only trade first-round picks in opposite years. Um, they do have a lot of them coming back into the fold now, but why would you want to dump a first-round pick just to get rid of Dion at this stage? So I, the trade possibility, even though, like I said, December 15th, it opened up a lot, there's really nothing there. Okay, so what are their other options? Well, you could stretch him. Okay, they stretch Ryan Anderson, though. They can't stretch Dion this year. They could stretch his contract next year, but that means $4 million, essentially, a little more than $4 million of dead cap for three seasons. Starting and it doesn't, even, it doesn't even free up space. No, it doesn't free up space, and they're already doing this with Ryan Anderson. So, you know, they've already got this with one guy. So do you, do you really want to do it with another guy? So that's not a great option. Okay, so the net, the, the really the only options at this point, you know, have to do with coming to some kind of a meeting of the minds with Rich Paul, which is a complicating factor here because, you know, Rich is now Dion's agent, as we know. Rich and the Heat did not – I don't know what the relationship is now, but it wasn't great when LeBron left because um, he's LeBron's guy. And so, you know, you've got a situation now where you have to come to an agreement. Either you try to work out a buyout, all right, but Dion's got to be willing to give up money. Uh, Barry wrote pretty much what I've heard as well, which is that Dion's not willing to give up any money. He's in denial about this. So you, you can't do that. So the other, other question is you could keep suspending him. Well, at some point, the Players Association is going to jump in, right? And you're going to end up with a long dispute. Or you just, you know, you send him away with pay, I guess. And he can go on as many boats as he wants. And I thought it was funny because – Barry wrote this, and it's true. If, if they're sending him away, then he doesn't have to conform to Riley's conditioning standards anymore. So he, can, he can go on a cruise. He can go, I mean, go eat at the buffet. Like, nobody's going to stop him, right? I, so, but I don't know what you do. I, I mean, at this point, I, I don't think it's hurting the team. I mean, they're, and we're going to get to basketball in a second. I mean, they're doing pretty damn well. So, I, you know, but you're right. They could have used him in that back-to-back. I mean, they, they don't have, other than Jimmy, uh, they don't have a second guy. They don't have a second guy right now. With when we're going to talk a lot about Winslow on this episode, they don't have a second guy to, to break down the defense, get to the basket, and make some plays for himself and others. They don't. These, have game, these games without Gorn and, and Winslow, he would have definitely gotten minutes. 
Yes. Definitely. Yes. Um, because he has played a little point guard for this team, especially that 30 to 11 year. Actually, he played a lot of point guard. He, he initiated the offense a lot. And one thing about Dion, you know, a lot, we call him a black hole, but he can pass. Um, he can initiate, he can set up other guys and they could have used him. And especially when he's engaged and healthy, his defense as well is, is, is pretty damn strong. So yeah, he, he, there was a huge opportunity for him this year and they could, they really could have used him. And I mean, here, here we are. Yeah, here we are. And I mean, no one has, has ever said Dion can't play basketball. Like this is these people that are on Twitter. We've got one guy, I did a three Oh five live today which is still on the Twitter feed. We got one guy, uh, he goes by a fake name, but he's just sitting on there bashing the Heat organization for this. I mean, I don't know if it's Dion's burner. I'm not sure, I, but it's, I, I don't know what you want the Heat to do. I mean, again, I know more about this than has been reported, all right? Now, some of the details are starting to trickle out, but when you start to put all these pieces together, I mean, they, they're being very protective of their quote-unquote culture, right? They made it clear after last season, and I mentioned that between Riley and Spolster that they were just not going to tolerate it anymore. And so, you know, I, I, you know, and then they come out with the Jan James Johnson thing. And J.J., I, they're not angry at J.J., is my understanding, but he still has not worked his way back in, into any semblance of the rotation. Now he's got some personal issues to attend to, which I heard are legitimate. But they, they you know, they can't they, – he can't work his way back in. I mean, what did Dion expect? And, and none of this has been about basketball. So, you know, this is a situation where, again, they got duped. Um, by a guy on a make good contract who said all the right things. I don't want to replay the whole, the whole situation. That damn article, man. That, that damn, damn article. article. <laughs> Y'all blame Derek, Derek Jeter. He owns that thing, right? Uh, Players Tribune. But I, I don't, there's nowhere for them to go with it right now other than keep them away from the team. They, they, this team, look how young this team is. How many guys do they have who are 25 or under? Justice, DJJ, Bam, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Chris Silva. I just named six. Isn't I think there's a seventh. They've, they've got – oh, and, and Casey Akpala. They've got seven yeah. guys on this team, six of whom are contributing, who are 25 or under. They don't have that many veterans. They've got Udonis, Dragic, and Butler, right? And I guess Olenek is a young vet, and Myers is a young vet. But they don't have that many vets. So they, they don't want – they don't need somebody in who's who has this kind of – I mean, again, between the drugs – the, 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 you know, the, the, the playing hooky, the trashing the coach, the complaining about playing time, the complaining about, you know, role. And I mean, I'm, when I say role, it's not just playing time. It was also the way he wanted to play. I mean, I, I asked him in, and I like Dion. I, I asked Dion uh, in training camp, you know, about, you know, kind of was he going to look for his shots, you know, more from three or at the basket this year. And he talked about, well, you know, the analytics and all that. I don't really believe in that. You know, if somebody goes under the screen, you shoot it. And, again, that's fine, but, but it's contrary to kind of the way the Heat wanted them to play. So they have not been on the same page for any of this. Um, I think the most likely solution at this point is they're just going to send them away with pay. That's it. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I see happening. That's yeah. not the waving, the stretching, the buyout, none of this. Only, only way you could, you could see maybe a buyout is if Dion puts basically basketball ahead of money. Because I don't see – he has to know that if he sits out a whole – two NBA seasons basically, two and a half basically since last year, mm -hmm. um, two and a half NBA seasons, nobody's picking him up in 2021. Right. It, unless, he, if he, unless he says, okay, I'll take the buyout and then try out for some teams over the summer and 
maybe gets picked up somewhere on a, on a vet minimum, but he's going to be losing a lot of cash. So I don't see it happening. So at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be, he's going to be sent home with pay and it's probably, it's going to be one of the weirdest things in Miami heat history. One of the weirdest contract situations where they're just paying a guy to sit at home, go to buffets and eat on a boat. Yeah. That's basically where they're at. I mean, the Smush Parker thing was odd. I mean, they've had some strange situations. Remember, Ray for Alston disappeared. Um, that you know that that was there was more to that story. Too. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Rafer and Smush <laughs> right. were weird. <laughs> right, uh, but they, I mean, so there's been a couple. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, they've had some crazy stuff. I mean, they they've had. I mean, there's legendary stories. I remember, I remember Todd Day training camp. Like basically, from what I remember, like Riley told told him to go home and never come back um there's there's been there's been some stuff um and there's look there's been dissension behind the scenes over the years i mean you know may rest in peace anthony mason remember that all-star year and then zoe came back and mason spent the entire kind of last month of the season and and that very short playoff run it was three games actually i think against uh against mash's team right again after the trade it's mash and pj's team uh you know he, he spent the whole time moping uh, I mean, they've had, you know, obviously Whiteside. I mean, it, it, things are never going to be totally perfect, but the Heat have had, I would say, a lot fewer of these situations than other teams. No team is immune from them. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is arguably the best player in the world right now. I don't, actually, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's him or Giannis, right, or, or LeBron at, at his highest level. Um, and, the, you know, the, one of the two best organizations in the sport, in my view, the San Antonio Spurs, could, could not agree with him on conditioning stuff, could not agree with him. Uh, in terms of you know getting on the same page as his legendary Hall of Fame coach, who basically helped mold him, right? So this stuff happens. I, that it, it's not you know totally out of the realm of of uh, the usual, but it's just the way that this is happening, where it seems like um, Dion is kind of spiraling in a way that I guess we saw Antonio Brown spiral a little bit, right? So I, I think we've you know, and, and I, I hope it works out for everybody, but at this point, I don't see I don't see how he ever plays for the Heat again. We said that about a month ago. I mean, nothing has happened to reverse that. It's, it's only accelerated it. All right, we're going to go to break here in a second. When we come back, we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about Justice Winslow, and then we're going to talk about these last two games and kind of get into where the Heat are right now. Right back after a word from Alf. It's Alf here to talk to you about our newest sponsor, Jim Unity. Jim Unity is a personal training facility in Plantation, Florida, headed up by my good friend Mark Decker. Mark and his staff provide high-quality personal training and one-on-one sessions to get you into the best shape of your life. What's the Gym Unity difference? Gym Unity is dedicated to personalizing your experience and coming up with the best workout for your specific needs. The staff actually listens to you, the customer, and tailors your workouts to get the best results. Whether it's pre- or post-rehab, weight loss, or getting student-athletes ready for the upcoming season, Gym Unity provides the best personal training anywhere in South Florida. So call Mark and the staff at 661-607-3571 to set up your free evaluation. Or even hit them up on Instagram at Jim Unity. That's 661-607-3571 for Jim Unity. And back to the show. All right, back here on the Five on the Floor podcast. Again, of course, check out our watch party Wednesday night, Heat Sixers, 6 o'clock, Gold Club Pompano. Got any questions, just send me a DM at Five Reasons Sports. All right, next topic today, before we get to the games, and usually we do these game recaps right after. I know it's been a couple days by the time you hear this from that Laker game, so we'll touch on it, but I really want to get to one of the issues with this team, and it's still Justice Winslow, and he is the most polarizing player on the Heat, which is weird um, to me. It's weird to me in the way Ryan Tannehill was polarizing with the Dolphins because 
Justice is not a guy who makes any enemies, really. I mean, so it's it just personality-wise. So I don't know. I don't know. Let's start here before we get to why we want to talk about justice. Are I was going to say he's made, he's made a lot of enemies on Twitter somehow. Well, well that's what I'm saying. Okay, so are we, you and I, you and I live on Twitter, right, much more than we should. Are, Definitely. Are we, over, are we overreacting? Um to a few people trying to get quote unquote clout on Twitter as opposed to what the Heat fan base really thinks. Like it, the, the general Heat fan base, are they like putting Justice Winslow in the trade machine every 15 minutes? Like, I, or, or are we overreacting, you know, to maybe a handful of people, um, some of whom we know have no credibility, who are just, you know, have a thing for justice? It seems to be a lot of the same people for whatever reason that were. You know, would defend Hassan Whiteside at every turn and say he should be playing over Bam Adebayo. We see yeah. people know about basketball. I mean, what, are we overreacting to this? I, before we get to something that I think is a legitimate – I mean, there are legitimate issues we can talk about with Justice Winslow. The one issue I don't think you can talk about and be, you know, given any respect as, as somebody who follows or understands basketball is to make the argument that they're better off without Justice because I think they're 13-3 and three playing without him it reminds me of that without wade thing remember that like that was yeah, uh it's nonsense it, it right remember that but that was a hashtag for a while without wade right it was like the third, yeah the big two, second or third year of the big three maybe it was a fourth year and because they were playing better by putting not playing better but they were winning games by putting james jones or mike miller or somebody else in that slot so it had to have been one of the first three seasons um because miller wasn't there the fourth year and but it was just it was ludicrous though. I mean, you're not better without Dwayne Wade. Now I'm not saying justice is Dwayne Wade, but to say that they couldn't have used another creator in the past couple games that they you know to to take the burden off Jimmy that they couldn't have used another defender against you know as good a job as D Derek Jones Jr. did that you know maybe LeBron doesn't get off in that game if he's got to see justice also right for 15 to 20 minutes. I, I don't know how you can make a credible basketball argument about that stuff. But are we overreacting? To, to a few, you know, like I said, people chasing clout. What, the thing with justice that I see overall is the people who are more analytical, the stat, quote-unquote stat guys, the people who look into the numbers more, justice has become kind of the analytical darling of Heat Twitter, of the, the side of Heat Twitter that cares about net rating, uh, on-off numbers, all you know, just the, the, the advanced stuff. So he's he's become this analytical darling of that crowd, and somehow it's there's the other crowd just resents that. I guess I don't know if it's like a uh, uh, schoolyard bully nerd thing. I don't know exactly what's going on, but it's also the same. So you get the people who don't who aren't into the numbers, aren't into the analytics, and they're usually the guys who love a guy like Hassan Whiteside. Or Dion Waiters, somebody who just puts up who puts up big counting stats, the points, the rebounds, the blocks, the assists, you know, that that top layer of numbers that is just really easy to consume. So I understand where they where some people are coming from when they don't like justice because he doesn't he's not flashy. A lot of the things he does for the team don't show up in box scores. And if you're not a, if you're not paying attention to the net ratings and on-off numbers and Def defensive ratings and you know you're you're, you're not peeling through uh, bballreference.com like you're not going to see all this stuff so it's just easier to just come out there and 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 just look at the top player and say he's no good because he doesn't he what 14 points a game six assists six rebounds it's just 
It's not, it's not jumping off the page at you. Plus, he had so much hype coming in. So now, it, what the percentage is of fans who, who are, quote-unquote, hate justice, I think it's the same thing that you see on Twitter. It's about like 60-40 probably. You got 60% of the fan base that are going to support the guy just because he's a, heat, he's a heat player. They see what he does on the court. And then you're going to have the other 40% that, for some reason, want to just tear the kid down. Well, I, I think it's I think among the Heat fan base, I think there's probably more support than that. Honestly, I I think we're I think we're overreacting to a few people. I I, really I'm t- I, I, I just think they're shrill. I think they're shrill, and I think a lot of them, I, I'm, frankly, just don't understand a lot of the game. Now, I'm again, I don't want to say, you know, in certain aspects of the game, I don't understand as much as others. I mean, you put me in a room with Cooper Moorhead or Nikias Duncan, and you know, I'm gonna my eyes are gonna be rolling back in my head because those guys are so smart about basketball and certain things that I don't see. But the certain things that I do see from doing this for 25 years and covering Eric Spolstra, you know, pretty much from the very beginning, right, and especially since he became a head coach, is, is I, I do have a trust in the guys that Eric plays a lot, okay, because he's smart. <laughs> and there's a reason he's playing a guy so many minutes, because he sees something. It doesn't mean he's always right. It doesn't mean even that I always agree. But, like, I understand why he would want to use a guy like, Justice Winslow and I understood why he stuck with him a couple years ago when he hadn't played well most of the year and put him in a playoff series against Philadelphia and he was even though his stats in that series were not great uh, he he was one of the most Heat's most impactful players and and changed the energy of games so I'm going to trust the people who know more than me and the people who know more than me still still trust Justice Winslow when he's playing now let's get to the next topic because I think there is a topic with Justice that is that we should talk about which is that he's not available very much. And, and I think both you and I have downplayed this a lot. Um, he's basically missed a third of his games, okay? Um, and I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking about going back now. And I, I think we need to, you know, guys get a, a label of being injury prone. I hate the label injury prone because a lot of injuries are luck, right? And, they, and some of them take more time to come back from. To me, the only injuries that you can blame a player for are ones that are conditioning related, okay? Or maybe a guy is just doesn't have the highest pain tolerance, and that's why he sits out longer than he should. I think those are things we can look at with Justice. I, but now, the, the, the head injury, which, you know, we also said he probably shouldn't have gone back in that game against Denver. I'm never going to criticize a guy for missing time for a head injury, particularly when he's in the NBA's concussion protocol. So to me, those games that he missed for the head injury, I'm throwing those out. Okay. Like I, I don't, I'm not gonna make a big deal of those. Now this latest thing um, and how long it's taking him to come back. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs. So your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
from this and some of the other situations that he's had, I think we can have a reasonable conversation about whether or not the Heat can go forward with justice as a core piece if he's going to be missing as much time as he's missed for those kind of things, not for the head injury. Do you think that's a fair conversation to have? I really do. And this is, this is something I'm, I'm just coming around to uh, lately, actually. Um, and like you said, before I did a lot of defending of him and defending the time missed, defending his play on the court. But we've come to this point now that the Heat are winning without him, but we see it loud and clear right in front of our face how, uh, what an addition he could be if he was out there. And uh, you, had, you sent me the, the numbers yesterday. I think it was a guy on Twitter, Dr. Pablo something, uh, who's actually a real-life doctor. Yeah, the great Pablo Pistola, I believe. Is Pablo Pistola. Yes. He's missed 113 out of 353 career regular season games. Now, we know a lot of that came that second year, but it seemed, but this is, it's not, it, it didn't end there. It, it's, it seems to be there's continuing issue after issue after issue, and they're always different. You have the back strain, you have the knee problem, you have this, you have that. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not in the training room. I'm, I don't know his body. I don't know what he's actually going through, but it, it start, maybe this time start having a conversation of what is, you know, they, I hate the injury prone label too, because that just sometimes just doesn't make any sense, right. but what is going on with Justice Winslow that he just can't seem to sustain long stretches on the floor without, without missing time due to injury? And, and I don't want to be unfair to Justice in another way. Goran Dragic has missed a lot of time recently too, right? So I, I don't want to be unfair and just put Justice sort of on, a, you know, we're doing a Waiters episode, a Waiters Island here. When I, I want to put him on an island and say it's just Justice that's, that's been nicked. They've missed Goran in some ways. They've missed Goran more than Justice lately because – they missed that scoring off the bench and, and they've had to, I, I give them credit for what they've done to get to 19 and seven and, and nearly win the Laker game probably could have won the Laker game. If not for that bad call at the end. And then, you know, obviously to pull out the Dallas game, you know, whether the Luca or no Luca, but they've missed Goran too. And Goran has had trouble saying else, but Goran is in his early thirties, right? There's an expectation that you're yep. gonna, a guy in his early thirties has to be managed, particularly a guy who plays the way Goran plays, right? <laughs> he plays, I mean, not that Justice doesn't play hard. Justice plays hard. But, like, Goran is on the floor a lot. Goran is, is smaller in build than Justice is. Um, Goran plays in the paint quite a bit. At least he used to even more than he does now. So I don't, I don't want to say it's just Justice. They miss Goran, too. But I will tell you this, okay? The, I'm trying to put a, del- a delicate way of putting this out, so let me put it out there. I, 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 have, never, I have not heard anything – from anybody inside the organization about Goron and being concerned about this lack of availability other than he's an older guy and we kind of need to manage it in some ways, the way we manage Dwayne. Okay. I have heard some of it about justice, not from everybody, but a little bit of, okay, we need him on the floor. <laughs> you know, um, he's 23, he's a young, strong guy we need him out there more often. And, and I, so I think it is a reasonable conversation to have at this stage, like, okay, you know, is he seriously injured or is he just hurt and has a pain tolerance situation where, you know, he needs to come back maybe a little sooner and try to play through it. Those are things I think we need to monitor because even taking the head injury out. Okay. He still has missed roughly. I just did the numbers about 26% of his games in the NBA. All right. Even if you take the head injury out of the equation. So it's yeah. a lot. 
It's that's a lot. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's the kind of thing, you know, Blake Griffin, I'm not comparing Justice to Blake as a player, but Blake Griffin, you know, got a reputation to be Joel Embiid. I mean, these, you know, the, they played about, you know, 60 to 70% of available games. I mean, that's about where Justice is right now. And if he's that way at 23 in the Heat program, where is he going to be at 26, 27, 28? I just think it's a reasonable conversation to have without getting into the, the bustus idiots and all the rest of that who can't see his value on the floor. We wouldn't be talking about him, Alf, and his availability if we didn't think he had value to the team. He does, okay? He does. And, and so they need – and they, that's the one thing I think that's still on the table for them this year is they need to figure out the, the connection offensively between Jimmy and Justice and whether it's going to work down the stretch of games and they just have not had the opportunity to do it because, you know, Jimmy missed a little time at the beginning of the season, but mostly because Justice has been out. Well, and then here's the other question. Over the summer, me, you and I, we harped over and over again that he should be the starting point guard. So we, we you know, and I, I, I think a lot of Heat fans agreed, and he came in as a starting point guard. How do you justify putting him back in the starting lineup now after missing so much time? How are you going to disrupt the chemistry? When you look at the, the, the numbers for the starting five this year, they're one of the best four- and five-man units in the entire league. So you, it's, so how do you justify putting Justice back in that lineup, especially not just because when he comes back, okay, but you never know when he's going to miss more time again. So how do you get into a rhythm in that way? And also, Justice is a kind of player that we've seen him when in new situations. It's, 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 sometimes it gets off to a rough start, like it has with Jimmy, like it did with Goran, where he was standing around a lot of time. Jim, uh, Justice needs reps, needs reps and time on the floor. How do you get that consistently if he can't be, if he's not healthy enough to suit up night after night? If he's going to miss one out of every five or one out of every four or one out of every three games, there's there's no consistency. You can't get a rhythm. Yeah, that's true. And, and he that's why I said. I mean, this is something that look. They're what are they now? Twenty six games in the season. They're roughly a third of the way into the season. You need to start to figure some of that stuff out. I don't think Justice comes back in the starting lineup when he comes back. I don't think the starting lineup is going to be changed for a while. I, I think we are where we are with it. I know we've talked about, you know, Hero and Olenek possibly getting in there. I don't know that Kelly's been consistent enough to really I, – I know you, you talk about – a lot of people talk about he, need, he needs reps too and the ball needs to be in his hands. I don't know that he's been consistent enough to justify that at this stage. And, and we've seen with Hero, you know, since he had the 27-point explosion, he had a couple of rough games, he had a bounce back against – against Dallas. I know he was sick for one of those two games. That was a rough game, but I mean, I, you know, I think nuns outplayed him the past three games overall. So I, I don't know that you can justify that move. And I don't think there's any way you can justify taking Duncan out right now. You just can't. I mean, he's, he's too important to their spacing and he's gotten so much, better. I really recommend people listen to the episode I did with Andy, Andy Ellisberg and, and Adam Simon, two heat executives about the G League, but for all of it, but primarily for the discussion about Duncan, because it, it kind of exemplifies everything the Heat organization is trying to do, developing players in one guy. All right, so check that out. We're going to get to a new type of segment here after the break, but first, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. It's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can check them out 24 hours a day at onecalllegal.com, onecalllegal.com. That's spelled out O-N-E. They handle cases from all over the state and all kinds of different specialties of law, but particularly personal injury, traffic, tickets, immigration, and much, much more. They're based in North Miami. We actually share an office with them. So go say hello to David 
Eric and everybody else at Seltzer Mayberg. If you need a pro, you know, help with a problem, which a lot of people do, all kinds of different problems that they can handle for you, onecalllegal.com. Mention five reasons when you go. All right, Alf, we're not going to dwell on the two games individually. I don't want to nitpick officiating and the calls at the end, you know, the two-minute report, which I know Dwayne used to rail against the two-minute report. What's the point of the two-minute report? It just makes people angry, right? And it just made people angry because they missed two calls on Jimmy Butler's last shot. You know, one was a foul before the, before the shot, LeBron James. Another was a foul at, during the shot, Anthony Davis. Jimmy goes to the line. I think he makes all three. Maybe he doesn't. But either way, he would have had the opportunity. And then the Dallas game, missing Luka. I have one takeaway from, from the two games, and I want to get your takeaway from the two games. Um, Bam Adebayo is already elite. <laughs> I, I think we've been having these kind of conversations like, who's the Heat's second most important player? You know, could, could he be a candidate for MIP, most improved player? And all the rest. I mean, those conversations are, are moot at this point. It's, I mean, he, he is a candidate for most improved player. In fact, in my view, him and Devonta Graham from uh, Charlotte are the front runners for that. And Bam's team is winning. And he's going to be an all-star. He's going to be the Heat's second all-star in Chicago. There's no way the coaches aren't going to put him on the team. No way, okay? He's going to be an all-star. Um, and so I just think that's where we are with him. I was looking at, you know, some of the, the defensive metrics today. And it's basically him, Drummond, and Giannis as the three top guys in the league for defense. I think it's defensive, uh, you know, box, you know, plus minus. He's and they have that TPA, that TPA stat. He's number one. He's right. You're, you're right. It's Giannis, Andre, and Bam. No matter what, no matter how you look at, how, no matter how you look at the defensive numbers, he's right now. You you can solidly put him in as a top three defensive player in the league right now. Correct. And he's he's a top two passing center in the league right now, along with Jokic. He's having a better year than Jokic. Look at the numbers across the board. I mean, I, I don't know that there are three bigs, more than three bigs having a better season than him. He is, and I'm going to put it out there right now. I mean, I, I love the season Jimmy's having. I love him from a leadership perspective. He's been everything you want and more. Um, just like, you know, Eric used to talk about Chris Bosh being the Heat's most important player. And a lot of people scoffed at that. And when you had LeBron James at, you know, the peak of his powers and you still had Dwayne Wade on the roster. I think right now, Bam Adebayo is the Heat's most important player. Like, if I was to say, can you lose Jimmy for three weeks and survive it, provided that the rest of your roster is healthy, right, provided that Justice is back and Goran is back, can you survive it? I think you can survive it. Can you take Bam off this team for three weeks and survive it? No, not with – they would have to change everything they do defensively because he's so important to what – basically how they run their entire scheme – You'd have to change everything. It makes Myers Leonard and Ke they, he makes Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk different players. He allows you to play guys like um, Duncan Robinson against tough, uh, tough matchups because, like, and I, I'm not going to say anything bad about Duncan Robinson's defense. He's actually been quite good this year. But you, your Duncan Robinsons, Tyler Heroes, Kendrick Nunn, some of your some of your guys who are not as elite defensively as let's say a Jimmy Butler, or Justice Winslow, or a Bam, Bam. Get, he get you you're able to make more mistakes right because bam is out there to clean things up so without bam some of these guys are not as playable as they are right now so yeah so three weeks without bam i mean it would it would be a harder adjustment in my eyes than losing jimmy but i still i will disagree with you there i think jimmy's still their most important player 
um, because of the closing aspect and because he's there night after night. And if you didn't have Jimmy, I mean, you just couldn't score. <laughs> I mean, well, right. um, no, no. He, he sets a lot of other guys up. I, I think, well, maybe they could, but and we'd have to see justice and Goran for long stretches. Right. Like I, I think, Part of it is we say they could. I mean, the season opener, they scored a bunch, right? Um, you know, it, it took them a while against Memphis the first time, and that's their opponent that's coming up. They were down, actually, through three quarters by one, I believe. Uh, but Justice made every play in the fourth quarter for them. And so I, I think he's capable of doing it. But like we talked about, there's availability issues there. There's availability issues with Goron. I mean, either you could spread the floor and still have some success. I just think defensively, I don't know what you would do. I guess you, you'd probably, you know, he'd probably start Silva. For him, I, I would think uh, rather than than go small and play Myers, maybe with with Derek Jones Jr. You know, as as the four, it could do that, or maybe even just put Kelly in in the starting lineup, possibly. But I I just don't think they can afford to lose him. I mean, he made again. We talk about making plays down the stretch. I mean, Bam made the majority of the significant plays down the stretch. Um, I know people are getting a little tired of kind of the Jimmy pull up three in those situations, kind of the kill three. It reminds me of Dwayne. Um, but Bam was their best player down the stretch last night, and he's been their most, I, I think, consistent guy this season in a lot of ways. There's some things he still needs to improve on. He needs to take that jumper more often. Um, there's, I, I feel like Spolster at some point needs to trust him to play, you know, without foul trouble or through foul trouble so he can play the best big on the other team defensively more often. But He's he's a top twelve player in the Eastern Conference right now. He's an All Star. Like I, I'm going to Chicago for All Star Weekend. He will be playing in the game. He will be playing in the game. Uh, so I mean, he that's to me when you're 22 and you're an All Star already, you're elite. That's where he doesn't mean there's no room for growth, but you're elite. And what he's done offensively, some of the I mean, one of the things over the last few years would drive me crazy watching him is he'd be face up to the basket and he just would not look to score. He always looked to pass, always looked for the pocket pass. Um, <clears throat> and, I mean, it's great that he's a great – he's a really good passer for a big. He's, a, he's an elite passing big, if you, want to, if you want to call him that. But he was never looking for his own offense. He is starting to look for his own offense. He did. A, he had a Hakeem Olajuwon dream shake yeah, yesterday. That was insane. That was oh my, but that's we – seen, we've seen him do that with Chris Bosh mm -hmm. in practice. Mm -hmm. We've seen him do, those, do that stuff in an open gym. And sometimes I'm like, I feel like he doesn't trust his own athleticism at times. But mm -hmm. if he's playing some of these slow-footed bigs, he can do that more and more often. The, he did the little fake Jason Williams behind the back pass and, and a little flip into the basket the other day. I mean, <laughs> the things that this guy can do, the skill set that he has, I mean, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. Well, I feel we've underrated it. I, I, I think that as, much, as high as you and I were on him, you know, when Derek Jones Jr. came on our podcast last year and said that Bam's a better dunker than him because he's more athletic, you kind of laugh at it, but then you're like, okay. I mean, it's a high bar, but it's not so crazy. I talked to someone close to Jimmy this week who said Jimmy is just – it's not just that they've become friends. He's overwhelmed with Bam's potential. I mean, basically he said he's never played with a big, you know, quite like this on both ends. That's what it was put to me. Now, he's played with Carl Anthony Towns, and Towns has become a much better defender this season. But Bam's defensive upside is higher than Towns is, right? So I, you know, and in Chicago he played with Noah, who, but that was all hustle, heart, energy, etc., right? I mean, and you know, we know, you know, Joachim, also a great passer by the way in his prime, but 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 not a skilled offensive player. I mean, look at that shot, right? You know, so Jimmy has not, you know, and then he goes to Philadelphia and he played with Embiid briefly, um, but 
you know, again, what I was told was on both ends, he feels that Bam's upside, you know, is right there with him or, or perhaps higher. So, I, you know, there's things that MB does that Bam doesn't do yet or may never do. But there are some things that Bam does that nobody else in the league can do. I just can't do it. And the other thing about Bam, we talk about availability, Al. He never misses a game. Never misses a game. Last, again, there was a question about him last week, and he played. He, he played all 82 last season. So I think that's a big deal. One takeaway from you from the last two games. Um, the takeaway, and I, we talk, we've talked about it a little bit. I wish we talked about it a lot. They, they need justice and Goron back. And they're getting away with it right now, but they need those guys back because those are your both of your point guards. Those are the guys who set up offense, who carry you through stretches of the game because Jimmy has to rest at some point. I mean, yesterday they played eight guys on a back-to-back on the road. They only played eight guys yesterday. And the, we've seen the end of games where Jimmy looks exhausted because he's having to carry the load so not just defensively, and he's having to carry the load offensively as well. So he's missing justice on the defensive side of the floor where justice could, could pick up some of these harder, ma- these tougher matchups and spell him a little bit. And he, they're, they're missing him when he goes to the bench, when Goron would come in there and Goron would give you 18, 19, 20, 21 points a night. So without those two guys right now, there are stretches of the game. And we saw it against the Lakers. Um, you saw it last night. You saw it. Um, I can't, who'd they play the game before with the Bulls? Uh, uh, yeah, I think it was – well, it was Atlanta, right? Tuesday. Atlanta. You saw even against Atlanta. There's just these stretches of the game where offensively, offensively it just looks bad, mm-hmm. and they need Goron for those stretches. And so that's my biggest takeaway. They're, they're, they've survived some of these injury issues, but going forward, they're going to have to figure something out. They need justice. They need Goron back. They need to stop playing Jimmy uh, high 30s, low 40 minutes all these overtime games is going to come back to bite them later. It's not just the minutes uh, in the ball handling. It's that I think one of the reasons that Jimmy's shooting numbers are down so much is because there's no one setting him up. You know, I, I, I feel like he can't get in a rhythm. I mean, he, the ball's in his hands all the time. He's trying to create for others. He's not a great jump shooter to begin with, and he's got a flat jumper. We've talked about it. I, I feel like he needs his legs into it. He hasn't had his legs in some situations. They're not really able to run anything to get him a little bit of space where maybe he can get more to the mid-range game. Everything has basically been to the basket, which is great. He's getting to the line. But I just feel like, you know, if to somebody else who's getting him the ball on the block, right, where I think he's really good and creates mismatches, to somebody else who's getting him, you know, to, to space, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 feet, or maybe even getting him a corner three, you know, you know in terms of uh, with a little bit more time on a possession, they haven't had that because there's no one else on the team who can do it um, with that. I mean, Tyler Hero might get there eventually. It's not Kendrick Nunn's skill set, right? So there's no one else who can do it. So it, they need Dragic or Winslow back. I agree with you. All right, new segment here on the pod, and then we're going to get to our new sign-off. And, again, I remind you about the Gold Club, uh, 6 o'clock on Wednesday. We went a little longer today on this episode, but there's been a lot to, to get to. Uh, we're introducing something based on our podcast name, What's Our Five on the Floor? So let's get to the next couple of games. We've got Memphis coming up and Philadelphia. Down the stretch of games, Alf, who should be the Heat's five on the floor? All right, well, I'm going to skip over Memphis because I, don't, I obviously don't even know who's on their roster. So, so we're well, going to go to this. The likely rookie of the year. And, and by the way, um, Jaron Jackson is pretty damn good, too. Um, he had, what, he, 43 the other night, including, I think, six threes. There's some young talent there, so don't sleep on them long term. They'll have energy, but, but it's a game you should win. I agree. 
I'm, I'm sleeping on them for tomorrow because I really want to get to the Sixers matchup. For the Sixers, the last the five on the floor probably should be. Are, are we counting Justice and Goran, or are we just leaving them out right now? Well, look, I don't think Goran's going to be back in the next couple games. Don't hold me to it, but from what I heard about the injury when it first happened, uh, he felt it was pretty bad. I, you know, we're, we're two weeks. Um, I was heard to be two or more, but it could be three or more. So I don't think they'll have Goran. I think it's possible they'll have Justice, but some of it comes down to these kind of pain management issues we talked about. Let's assume Justice, but no Goran. So oh, if we're assuming Justice is playing, you're going to go, I would, I would go with Justice, Hero, Duncan, Butler, Bam. Um, I love the Hero. Yeah, it's small, but you don't, going big against the, the Sixers isn't going to work because you, got, you don't have guys big enough. Mm. So you might as well take advantage and space the floor and try to get some of those bigs out, outside of the paint. And Bam has to do more from the perimeter. He has to he has to shoot. He has to he has to go at Embiid a little bit more than he has in the past. This whole uh, Embiid just sagging off of him and basically playing free safety in the middle. A guy that Embiid sides it just completely cuts off the paint. So there's going to be things that they have to do. But to me, the spacing of Hero. And uh, of Hero and Robinson mixed with the defensive uh, capabilities of those other three guys is just it's the way you have to go. And let's, unless unless somebody else really has it going that night, um, none has been playing really really well. I just don't like him as much in the closing situations mm-hmm. because I don't like some of the decisions he makes with the ball. And I think we've talked about it a lot. The, and Nika- I was talking to Nikias Duncan at the game the other night. He, miss, he misses a lot of these pocket passes, skip passes, different things he could do to open up the offense. He's not – in my opinion, he hasn't really gotten there yet. He's gotten better, but to close out a game, yeah. I trust Hero and Duncan more than I trust him to make the right pass and to make the right decision. You know who I'm going to throw in the mix here is one of my five um, against Philadelphia, provided he's playing as well as he's played lately, is Derek Jones Jr., I, I think there's a role for Derek in this kind of situation. We saw it against the Lakers. Derek plays well against Link. Uh, he is Link. Okay. Uh, and, and I think energy. And the other thing you mentioned with Nunn and with DJJ, and I think this, some of this is Nunn has some tunnel vision, but I think some of this is a product of length of time in the Heat system that I feel like Derek Jones Jr. has turned the corner now where he's consistently making the right play. Whereas I don't know that none is there. I think none is a more skilled offensive player than Derek is by far. Much better ball handler, much better shooter, et cetera. But I feel like Derek Jones Jr., like, I'm, I don't have any of those moments with him like a year or so ago where it's like, ooh, okay, got to get Derek off the floor because he's not, you know, he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't make the right pass or he doesn't, you know, he doesn't rotate out to the right guy. Like, I feel like he's doing all those things now. Like, he's doing a lot of very subtle things for an athletic player. And it's intriguing to me. And I think against a team like Philadelphia, like, for instance, like, you know, if, whether you have justice, don't have justice. If you don't have justice, he's definitely going to play those minutes. But if, you, definitely. If, if, but, but if you do, even if you do have justice, like to have another guy to throw, let's say Josh gets all, goes off again like he did the last game, putting Derek on him is a way to control that a, a little bit. So I, I, think, I think you're going to see more of Derek Jones Jr. I think they've just kind of – they were but, so who do you t- a, little, a little bit and seeing where it would go, and I think it's been so encouraging. I think you're going to see more of it, particularly at the four. Who do you take out? Well, Bam and Jimmy, obviously, um, and Duncan. 
Um, and I think, I think basically you, then the fifth guy becomes, if it's Winslow, it's Winslow. If he's there, if it's Goron, like I said, I don't think it's going to be Goron or it could be hero or it could be none depending on circumstance. But I think that you're looking at, I think Bam, I, I think Duncan has made himself, you know, almost an every night option in those situations. And he, he hits clutch threes. He hits clutch threes. Nothing he's not afraid. Him, and he's not, he's positionally, he's playing well defensively. He's not a plus rebounder, but he's holding his own in some of those situations. I, I don't have any issue with playing Duncan down the stretch of those games, and he gives you more size than Hero or Nun do. So, I, look, there, there's another reason. I'm going to come back to this. I think we close with this. There's another reason why I'm going to trust Eric Spolster more than I'm going to trust, like, some dude with, you know, no headshot in his avatar on Twitter. Like, I, you know, it's about playing certain guys because – it doesn't mean the coach is always right. We're going to be critical when there are situations that warrant it or when there are mistakes that are made. But, like, look at, look at some of the decisions that Eric's made this year. Like, everybody hated. I'm, I'm not going too far by saying everybody. Everybody hated how much Duncan was playing coming out of preseason because he couldn't make a shot, right? And look how that's been rewarded. So if Eric Spolstra thinks that Justice Winslow, when available, is a 30-minute-a-game player, I'm going to trust Eric Spolstra over, you know, bleeping blue radio or whatever the names are okay let's let's just go there all right so is that a good way to close Alf? is that a good way to close yeah <laughs> bleeping blue radio <laughs> all right come to our watch party Alf's keeping his clothes on we're going to give you the shirts off our back but not literally six o'clock wednesday night we'll have another podcast coming up early in the week um although one we're really looking forward to myers leonard and l leonard his wife who who is a you know better shooter than anybody on the cleveland cavaliers roster trust me uh, I think it's Ellie. Is it Ellie? Do I different? He says Ellie. Okay, go with Ellie. All right, so Myers <laughs> and Ellie Leonard are likely going to join us at some point this week. Thanks for joining us on Five on the Floor. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.